Support for Talking Heart on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. Support also comes from the estate of Margaret Skinner, a longtime friend of WVIK and lover of the arts. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Diana Anita Allen, the producer and director of the performance for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough at the Playcrafters Theater in Moline this weekend. Welcome, Diana Anita. Thank you, Carolyn. This work by Ntozaki Shange is considered a choreo poem rather than a play. And describe for us what that means exactly. Well, it's a poem that Ntozaki had come up with as far as the name. It's more than a poem. Choreo, as we know, means dance. So a choreo poem would be dancing and poetry together. Uh, In the mid-'70s, when uh, everybody was doing experimental work, uh, she was a dancer as well as a poet, and a friend of hers who was a playwright, they wanted to um, mainly market uh, her particular piece, and they had come up with this artwork um, and it went to Broadway. There are seven women in this performance who tell stories about their various struggles with oppression. Uh, what what are some of the difficult to- topics that they cover? Some of the difficult topics that are covered would be uh, rape. Um, and that was, I, I would say, would be one of the major ones, in addition to abortion, um, in addition to loss of loved ones. Mm-hmm. And their stories are really intertwined one with within it with the other. Well, it can be. Um, the way that uh, Ntozaki had written the poem, it was actually uh, 20 to 21 separate pieces of poetry. And as I said, her collaborative uh, during the 70s with the other artists, uh, they came up with this particular piece that then became a uh, piece on Broadway. So... Uh, I know, and then in 2010, Tyler Perry reinvented um, how he had seen this piece in his mind, and he had tied it into a movie, which was different. So the movie and the play, or the Corey poem, uh, are two different things. Uh, However, he stayed very true to all of the written words. Um, so he built a story around the written words. He didn't use all of the poems that she has in her current collection, but he used most of them. Mm-hmm. So really there's this sisterhood of sorts between these seven characters who are each telling their own story. Uh, when this play was produced on Broadway, it was the, the second play, as I understand, um, to hit Broadway that was written by a African-American female writer. Uh, now, the actors are referred to by specific color and not by name in this work. So they're the lady in red, the lady in orange, the lady in yellow, and, and so forth. And that seems to me to be a very um, effective way of helping the audience members identify with them by focusing on their particular struggle and not having a specific name. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the ways that uh, directors through the 40 years that this Corey poem has been around uh, they've conceived that the whole concept of the seven colors and the seven women uh, differently. And one of the ways <clears throat> uh, that I have conceived uh, for our particular production is that uh, all of us are all of the colors at some given point. 
Uh, it's like our stories intertwine with one another. And so um, when the audience comes and sees our particular production coming up soon, uh, they will see um, younger and older women portraying a particular color. So we took the piece and we reimagined re the piece um, as far as the 22 uh, poems, because she did add a poem in 2010 prior to the movie coming out. So uh, that's the way that we're directing it, looking at the 22 pieces separately. And the women uh, will have, um, there will be several women interpreting each poem. It is amazing, the wonderful, talented, creative, and loving cast of the Corey poem. This work was written by Ntozaki Shange in response to specific events that happened in her own life. What can you tell us about this playwright and, and poet? And, and does the title of her Corey poem reflect events that happened to her right. you specifically? Know, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as you go and do the research on Ntozaki, uh, Shange. Um, every, anybody can go on Wikipedia and kind of see the kinds of things that she's gone through. And um, what we've learned uh, by reading her background information and by reading the piece itself is that, yes, she had gone through uh, several of the things that have happened there. So it's mostly her story. And um, as opposed to many others, she writes in the 2010 edition of the script that we uh, have in her preface that that the story is now just not just hers, but it is being uh, reinterpreted by so many other people and it has become uh, theirs and it has become a, a story that's not just her, hers, but a story that's every woman's. Mm -hmm. And it really has been embraced by literally generations now mm -hmm. of women growing up because this was first um, produced in the mid-1970s. Mm -hmm. Now, her style of writing is very unique. Um, how does her use of language increase the power of this production? Mm -hmm. I think it legitimizes the way she hears people speak. And I think she speaks to that in the preface of her uh, Corey poem. She talks, uh, or they talk about how she uh, legitimized uh, the words from um, that she grew up with, the, the, the sounding, and she talks about the sounds that she hears. Uh, that's the way she writes, leaving off certain endings the way we do. Um, and perhaps um, most people in, in our culture, uh, it's different than what you would say the standard um, English would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the last part of the title, When the Rainbow is Enough, enough is spelled E-N-U-F. Mm -hmm. She uh, took, uh, what is it, creative <laughs> liberties. liberties. I love that. <laughs> I do too. I do too. And um, just really brushed aside any you know linguistic conventions. Mm -hmm. It was, it was mm -hmm. very, uh, very brave. So probably there's a little bit of a difference, I'm guessing, between reading her work and hearing it. Um, because hearing... Um, when you listen to it, it sounds like it sounds just like people speak, you know, on the street. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, today more than ever, it's important to showcase and really celebrate works by artists that have not been represented fairly in theater. So I'm glad that you're performing this because women and, and African-American women in particular have not had their voices heard in a proportionate way. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. And that's one of the reasons why we chose to do the play in this month of uh, March, which is Women's History Month. So we were um, just so pleased with the Quad City 
art community, uh, the theaters, they were very open. As we all know, the theaters already have their shows slated a year in advance. So for us to come uh, toward the end of the season and or in the mid-season say, oh, by the way, can we <laughs> use your venue? And they're, they're looking at you like, we'd love to, we love the concept, but we needed this a year in advance. And so, uh, Carolyn, the whole... <clears throat> Reason why we're doing it right now, in addition to it's Women's History Month, is because Intazaki uh, Shange passed away October 27th in 2018. And when I had seen that on the news, I was like, there's no way that uh, that I can just sit by and let this pass because I grew up on her work. Uh, her work was um, my coming of age piece. So that being said, October 27th, <clears throat> when I heard that she had passed, at that point, it's like we we're, we have to do that in the Quad Cities, and so uh, that's when I began to think and uh, to gather a group of people or collaborative and um, to say, you know, how can we do this? When can we do this? Uh, like and like I said, the the art community in Quad City is on both sides of the river were just um, very welcoming, and however, we could not necessarily get into the venues that we wanted. Um, uh, for different times, and it, it just worked out perfectly for the venue where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's going to be uh, it's a very special venue, and with their initiatives to uh, have diversity um, at their, their venue, it, it kind of fell right into where they're going as far as um, their goals. Mm-hmm. Well, it's certainly a really lovely tribute to her, and, mm-hmm. and the venue that you've selected is the Playcrafters Theater in mm-hmm. Moline, and I had read that on their website, too, that mm-hmm. they are trying now to show varied works, mm-hmm. works that haven't been seen, um, new or revised productions that that are not the the common performances we're used to. That's so that's, that's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get involved in directing? Because you're the director of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I guess it's just a passion that I would have on certain pieces. I have to be um, involved with uh, the piece itself, and I have to feel passionate about it before I would say, well, let's let's do this and I really enjoy bringing out the best in others, and and that's what to me directing is about is bringing out uh, the best in others. This particular piece I directed actually thirty years ago in Waterloo, Iowa, uh, as well, and so, um, but it was on a <clears throat> not as grand a scale as we plan on uh, presenting it here in the Quad Cities. So thirty years ago, yeah. literally uh, almost to the day, it was in March of um, you know thirty years from. So mid eighties. Yeah, yeah. So a decade or so after it was first produced That's on, on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Now you know, uh, Intazaki Shange had female contemporaries in, in fiction, in poetry mm-hmm. that were female African American. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly think of Maya Angelou. Do you, there's Toni Morrison, though. There's a variety mm-hmm. of of them. Do you think she was influenced by any of those writers, or do you think she really had her own unique voice and and wrote in response to events that were happening in her life? Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't read that much about uh, where she was, but I'm sure we are all influenced by those who have come before us. Okay, we are because uh, they were, you know, we stand on their shoulders. So we are all influenced by those who have gone before us. So I'm sure she was influenced by uh, those who have gone before her. And she does have her own unique style, though. She brings her own genius Uh, to the work. Mm -hmm. And what I am most impressed with, uh, this particular piece uh, that she collaborated on and she worked with and massaged, she did it in her early 20s. This is in uh, when she talks about 
uh, when people people who are interviewing her asked her if she knew when she was going through this that it was going to be such a phenomenon, she said no. Hmm. Period. Yeah. No, I I had no idea this work was going to be what it was, and so to me that just makes it more of um, a genuine, authentic, uh, creative piece to know that uh, when work is genuine, when it, when it's authentic when it's raw like that and it resonates with with people then then that's the beauty of it as well. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see it. Now tell tell me a little bit about the Bridges Collaborative cuz that's the group that's putting this on. Mhm. Uh, we're a fairly new and young group and actually those of us who are in uh, the production we are now the Bridges Collaborative and the mission of the Bridges Collaborative is to encourage the Quad Cities community through positive intergenerational projects. So you said, well, what does that mean? Well, anything that's positive, <laughs> and it's, if it's intergenerational, we're about that. Uh, you remember a year ago when uh, the Quad Cities, we had the, what was it, the big table yeah. uh, discussions. And um, to me, it's kind of a response to that as well. Uh, I didn't formally you know, lead any of those tables, but it's that what can I do to be a part of building the Quad City area? And uh, I know that uh, myself and others have an interest in the art area, so that's what we're doing. We're, we want to be a positive uh, inter, uh, influence on the community and not just um, for one generation, but uh, intergenerational. And, and I, I chose that word purposely. I don't know if I was speaking to you about that uh, when I met you uh, earlier, but multi-generational just means there's several different generations. Uh, intergenerational means that uh, each generation actually has an input and an impact on what it is you're doing. And so, like with the play, we have um, people from 15 through 82. Uh, the person who's eight in their 80s, they're not going to be on stage, but they helped in the logistics part and uh, giving us uh, feedback, you know, as we began the play. Uh, the person who was 15 had a birthday, so she's now 16. <laughs> so um, they have an impact, too. And they see life differently, and we can learn from one another, um, particularly the technological piece with the younger generation. I enjoy that particular piece. But uh, that's what we want to be about is intergenerational projects to uh, help the community understand that we all need each other and, and want to work with each other, and together we are better. And the, the values of the collaborative are artistic expression of the community, economic uplifting for the community, access and voice in the community, and educational excellence and affirmation by the community. Those are the types of things that uh, our group value. Yeah. Well, that's that's really powerful. And I hope that you continue to do are, and are able to do works like these, um, like this one. Now, this is also being produced in partnership with Argros House um, in Davenport. Um, and tell us a little bit about that organization. I know it's run by Dr. Kit Evans-Ford, and she's she's this amazing force. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Dr. F- <clears throat> Dr. Kit is wonderful, and she is a gem to the Quad Cities area, and we're blessed to know her and just her unique spirit, her entrepreneurial spirit, her creative spirit, her welcoming spirit. Um, <clears throat> it just seemed like a natural fit with what our girl's house is about and what the play is about. The play is about healing. It's about sisterhood. It's about hope. And um, that's the same thing that our girl's house is about because they provide 
free holistic services for women healing from violence and abuse in the greater Quad Cities region. And these services range from grief support counseling to art therapy, offering holistic care and development opportunities from women of all walks of life. And if anybody has ever been uh, to Argo's house, when you walk in there, you are uh, embraced and surrounded by the, the great smells of their business, which is their uh, bath and body products. And then just the different programming that they have for women healing from violence and abuse is, is a wonderful uh, resource for the community. So that was one of the things that we were hoping is that the community will understand that the house is a resource. It, you know, it's not a shelter, but it's a resource for women to heal. They have programming and they also have a business. So women who are healing from violence and abuse uh, can earn a living wage. So that's really a perfect collaboration for you, as I see it. And Argo's house is relatively new. I think just within the last year or two, they opened their doors. Um, well, Diana, Anita, Allen, thank you for talking today and for bringing creative theater to our community. Well, uh, thank you, Carolyn. And, and one of the pieces that are the quotes that I would like to sh- share with you that has to do with um, the sisterhood, the hope and the love of the play is really the last line of the play. So spoiler alert, here it goes. I found God in myself and I loved her. I loved her fiercely. Come see the performance this Friday and Saturday nights, March 29th and 30th of Intazaki Shange's For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow is Enough at the, Player, at the Playcrafters Theater in Moline. Performances begin at 7.30 p.m. and admission is $10 at the door. Ticketing begins an hour earlier at 6.30 p.m. and everyone is welcome. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Our theme music is provided by a Quad City legend, the late Ellis Cal. 